I don't, uh, I haven't heard anybody uh, coming down with COVID. I just think that it's something that was running around or whatnot. So, but just keep them in prayer. Nonetheless, still being sick ain't fun. So be in prayer for everybody who's out. But we're going to talk about something this morning in Sunday school. Just try to do a, a lesson. I have a lot of information uh, uh, here to, to give out. I've, I've preached along these lines before. Um, I've taught this lesson on Thursday night. It took several took several weeks to get through, and we'll try to cram uh, some of that here this morning. But um, let's see here. I had mentioned uh, when I was preaching on, uh, on watch night that I know that something that I'm really going to try to focus on this year is, uh, is really trying to get my prayer life where it should be. Um, and uh, it's, it's something that uh, a, lot of, a lot of us, I know myself included, I overlook it, I, uh, I uh, neglect it. It's something, uh, it's something that when you start to try to dissect the topic, it's very, it's very intricate because there's been volumes of books that have been written on the subject. Uh, there's been a lot of there's been a lot of uh, uh, there's been a lot of thing not just Ian Bounds but there's been a lot of preachers of old and and uh, folks that have uh, spoke on it and you can research it and you can dive into it. The Bible has a lot to say about it. Um, uh, some of the great prayers in the Bible are worth dissecting. Solomon has great prayers uh, in the Bible. Nehemiah has great prayers. Ezra has great prayers. David, I mean, my goodness, David and the Psalms, uh, some of these uh, prayers that God allows us to see and read and have recorded in his book uh, for examples to us. And then, of course, you have Jesus Christ, his prayers. And these things are recorded because these were men that were men that would pray. And, uh, you, you know, you read any kind of history or you read or uh, look into, uh, you know, the early church and how and how they prayed, and uh, it's amazing some of the things that God God did through men's prayers. And we live in an information age. We live in a connected age where uh, it feels like we're able to handle whatever situations we have via the technology or the uh, resources that we have so readily at our disposal. And what it does, just, just, just the very nature of having access to those things shows us that we have the propensity to neglect our prayer life. Because we're, there's never been a time in history where man's been more capable than he is right now. Right? I mean, think about it. I mean, uh, you, can, you can have, a, you can have a, a problem. You can blow out a tire. You can have a, a, a disaster in your home and you have insurance and you have, you know, contractors that are going to call and give you multiple estimates. And uh, if you don't have the, if you, if, if you can't afford the deductible, you have a credit card and you can put it on the credit card. And, uh, you know, when you go to the, you know, grocery store, it may not be what you want to buy, but there's still stuff to buy. If, if you can't afford the good stuff, you can always get the great value stuff. And if you can't get the great value stuff, you can go to, you know, save a lot or something like that or, pack a sack or whatever it is that they have out there, you can find it. And if that's not the case, uh, you, can go to, you can go to a number of food banks and that kind of thing and get, and get free food. And we just have so much at our disposal. Government, uh, uh, um, government um, assistance 
for things. You know, you think about folks that have suffered a disability or folks that have uh, unfortunately gone through uh, situations where, they're, where they can't work or they've lost their income. And the government has, has programs to help assist them in those things. When before, there was nobody to assist you. God was there to assist you. And, uh, and it, was an amazing, it was an amazing time. Now listen, I'm not, I'm not saying that to be nostalgic in the thought where, you know, oh man, I wish I could be back in the days of George Mueller where, you know, I didn't know if I could have a meal. You know, I'm not, I'm not reminiscing in the sense that, hey, I'd like to go back there and see how that's like. But I can, I can see where I am today and I can go, man, I need to be careful because it's going to be really, really easy for me to, to neglect something that God is very, very adamant about. It's something very, very fundamental. It's something that if you were to ask anybody in this room, they're like, how do you have a relationship with God? Okay, well, you need to pray. Read your Bible and pray. Read your Bible and pray. Read your Bible and pray. The most uh, inexperienced preacher, if you just get behind a pulpit and say, hey, read your Bible and pray, you'll get an amen, <laughs> right? But what is prayer? Well, it's been described in a few different ways. Prayer is the medium through which we express our feelings, needs, desires, and thanks to our God. Prayer is simply talking with Jesus. <laughs> Without so eloquently put, prayer is just simply talking with Jesus. I like that. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's fantastic. If you didn't know what it was, that's what it is. Prayer is an offering up of our desires to God for all things lawful and needful with humble confidence that we shall obtain them through the meditation or the mediation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, that the Lord has our needs in, in heart and in, in His mind. Okay? Um, lastly, another man described it as prayer is worshipped as worship addressed to the Father in the name of Christ and the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, uh, prayer is very much so um, an acknowledgement of the Trinity. If you were a charismatic or you were uh, you know, somebody who was a Pentecostal, you would, you would overemphasize the Holy Spirit as you pray. Um, uh, Holy Spirit, as far as uh, worshiping the Holy Spirit and, and bringing a lot of attention to the Holy Spirit. But honestly, we pray in the Spirit, but we don't pray to the Holy Spirit. We pray for Jesus Christ to fill us with the Holy Spirit, but we know that the Holy Spirit, as described, uh, doesn't bring attention to Himself. The Holy Spirit is simply there as to lead and guide us into all truth, um, it is there to reveal truth to us. It's there to, uh, to, to quicken our consciences. But it's not something that we individually worship or pray to. We pray to somebody. Amen. We have a person we pray to. The Lord Jesus Christ. We're not praying to a saint. We're not praying to a, some other deity. We're praying to the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, it's a privilege for us to have that access. It's, it's, listen, it's, it's, uh, could you imagine if we didn't have it? Could you imagine if we didn't have the privilege to talk to the Lord and that He was some way stowed away in some heavenly corridor that you could not get to <laughs> or have access to? And He was this all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing being that has the power to crush your breath in His fingers 
and you, you had no access to him? Wouldn't he be more intimidating if you couldn't access him? But we have the privilege of being able to access and, and, and be able to pray uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ. I won't get into this because I've covered it uh, in, in church in a sermon before. But a few verses, if you're taking notes, if you're not one that takes notes, maybe you'll get the copy of this and do this. But I would encourage you to go through these, these references and underline them in your Bible or highlight them or something like that. Maybe you already know them, and this is just too elementary. But uh, I'm, 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 I'm of the persuasion that the things that we, that we feel are too elementary, a lot of times, if we feel like it's too elementary, we're probably deficient in it. You know, because you're looking for something more deep. You're looking for something more, you know, uh, something that satisfies. Not more like your, uh, it's like your your fleshly spiritual side. You want something that'll tickle your ears or or stimulate your brain more. When the Lord says, "I just if we could conquer the the simple things, we'd be doing all right." <laughs> but First Timothy chapter two verse five, Ephesians chapter two verse eighteen, and Hebrews chapter four verse sixteen. It's a privilege given. To the saints. It's a privilege given to the saints. It's illustrated by Esther in that she was the only one that had the access to go into the, the uh, corridor of the king and to the throne room of the king. And uh, he was able to, he, he leaned that scepter out and was able to get her petition directly to the king in, in the, instead of Mordecai and on behalf of her people. That was a privilege that Esther had because of her position with the king. And we have a privilege to pray to the Lord Jesus Christ because of where we are with Jesus Christ. We have access to the king, the father, through the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's a privilege that we have. It's not just a privilege given to the saints, but it's a source of power to the saints. In James chapter 5, verse 16, it's illustrated with Peter's imprisonment in Acts chapter 12, uh, verse 5, and then you see it uh, through uh, verse 5, and then uh, verses 12 through 16. Uh, uh, Peter, uh, Peter's in prison, and, and the people start praying. And what happens is, is the shackles fall off and Peter gets out of prison and he shows up at the back gate and they're like, I can't even believe that Peter's here. But it's like they realize, hey, you were praying. What do you think you were praying for? Like you were praying and all of a sudden God's power actually came down and did something that you were praying about. And it's pretty spectacular. Uh, it's wonderful. And um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a source of power. It's something that you, if you were plugged into that, uh, you, you have an advantage over anybody who's not plugged into it. You, you have the ability to see things differently because you have the mind of Jesus Christ. You say, well, that's through the Word of God. Yeah, I agree that the mind of Christ, if it's written down on paper, it's, it's the Word of God. But you can know the Word of God and not have the mind of Christ. I think the mind of Christ is appropriated through prayer. Yeah, you may know stuff, but you're not thinking like Him if you're not praying to Him. Amen? You're not thinking like Him if you're not praying to Him. Um, and then finally, it's a source of peace to the saints. Philippians chapter 4, uh, verses 6 and 7. We know that we can bring our petitions and our requests unto God uh, with thanksgiving. And we know that the peace of God will comfort and keep our hearts and minds through the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but in times of turmoil and in times of uncertainty and in times of agony and in times of, uh, of, of confusion, uh, it seems like... If you hit your knees and you get on your face and you start praying, it's almost like God's able to kind of put things in formation a little bit. 
It's at that little, it's at those little times in prayer, and sometimes it's long times in prayer, that God is able to kind of just take over the situation and, uh, and comfort your mind. And you can't explain it, because the situation doesn't change when you get up. Right? It's not, like, it's not like you're praying, and all of a sudden, you know, the, the problem that you're praying about, you know, it doesn't happen all the time. Maybe it has happened before, but it doesn't happen all the time that, you know, you say amen and the phone rings, and all of a sudden it's gone. <laughs> or you say amen, and you get up, and it's like, oh, the pain in my back is gone, you know? It's not like a Benny Hinn revival, you know, where they smack you on the forehead, and all of a sudden it's like, my arm just grew out of my, you know, torso or something. That's not how it works. But there's something supernatural about being plugged into this thing and all of a sudden everything, nothing, nothing changes in the circumstances of the situation, but it's like there's a peace that comes up you because it's like I've laid it out the best way I can and now it's in his hands and that's a good place for it to be. Amen. Amen. I like to get into some technical stuff about prayer, uh, some things that uh, maybe... Uh, maybe help you get a better understanding of the, of the subject. But uh, how about this? Where to pray? Where should we pray? Uh, take your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And look in verse 6. But thou, uh, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut the door, uh, pray to the Father, uh, which is in secret, and thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. He says, go in your closet. There should be a place that you have that's personal to you, that's close to you, that you have in your house or wherever you live, a place where you uh, frequent in prayer. Whether that's the side of your bed, whether that's uh, maybe you don't have a closet that's big enough for you to put yourself in to pray. I'm not saying you need to buy a house that's got a big enough closet where you can pray in. But uh, I think the principle here is that you need to have a place that you pray where you where you're at. I remember I lived in uh, I lived in Brother Dickman's trailer down in Pensacola uh, for about a year as I was a I was helping Brother Johnson as a custodian at the church down in Pensacola. And uh, there, wasn't, there wasn't no closets in that trailer. <laughs> that was like a glorified camper with no bump outs is what that was. And, uh, you know, you had the living, I had a living room, dining room, kitchen area that was, you know, all right in that same area. And then I had my bedroom and then I had the bathroom where the cockroaches lived. And so I didn't want to pray in the bathroom because I really hated cockroaches. And, uh, but I did have uh, where uh, I was there in that little living section, there was an old chair. It was like you know, pink fabric or something like that, like back in the 70s when they, or 70s where they just thought, you know, putting pink everywhere in your house was good looking or something like that. I don't know if they had pink carpet and pink tile or like weird green tile, you know, but this is an old pink chair. And I remember, man, that was, that was my place though. That was my place. I, I would go there, and it was in the early days, and I was just like, my brain was constantly getting bombarded with things I'd never heard before, and I was just, the more I'd go to class, the worse I felt about myself, the ho- more horrible. I was like, man, I don't know anything. I'm an absolute moron. The more inefficient and, and the more deficient I felt about myself, and I know that that chair caught a lot of brunt of the first you know, year of Pensacola Bible Institute. <laughs> 
But that was my place. That was my place. Where should you pray? You should have a place in your house. Do you have a place in your house where you pray? Do you? You know what? You maybe pray more if you had a place. Well, I don't have it. Maybe uh, you live in a you know, one-bedroom, two-bedroom apartment, and uh, you're married, you know, or you got some kids, and you live in a small house, and it's like no matter where you are, you can hear uh, everything. <laughs> well, guess what? Find a place. I'm just telling you, find a place. And, and if you gotta learn to if you gotta learn to like put earmuffs on or whatever it is you gotta do to stay focused when you pray, or if you gotta pray early in the morning or late at night, you know, go to that place and pray. Uh, how about this? Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, look in verse number 10. Start in verse 9. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. Now, you, the, this is a great uh, parable here as far as some, some, some uh, attitudes as far as prayer goes and how you approach the Lord and how you look at other people. But notice here he says they went into the temple to pray. The, the church should be a place of prayer. When you come to church, it should be a place where uh, it should feel normal to pray. <laughs> right? If somebody calls on you to pray, you ought to be ready to pray. Uh, when uh, the Lord moves and the Spirit moves, we have an altar here. Why? To pray. We have an altar here to pray, to have access to the Lord Jesus Christ, to take our petitions, to take our, uh, our, our problems, to take our sins, whatever they may be, and lay it at the feet of Jesus Christ. You say, well, I don't have to go up there in order to do that. You're right, you don't. You don't have to do that. But I had an old preacher tell me one time when I first started, you know, getting into this thing, you know, he told me, he says, listen, man, he says, do yourself a favor. He says, make the, make the altar your best friend. That's what he told me. He said, make the altar your best friend. I thought to myself, why in the world would I make the altar my best friend? He says, because if you're at the altar, that means you're praying. That means you're, that means you're constantly uh, taking stock in yourself and analyze, analyzing yourself, and you're quick to do something. And you, and you know what it is? When you pray in church, there's, like, there's this pressure. There's like this, well, if I go up there, then what are people going to think? And, I, and when you go to church and, and, the, and the message gets preached and the Lord pricks your heart, the Lord talks to you, it's good for you to get up. If you're serious about what it is He's trying to tell you, for you to get up, come down to the altar and say, you know, Lord, I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care. If somebody is looking around, then they're probably not listening to what's going on in the first place. If they're looking at me, then they're obviously not in tune with what you're trying to say. So I'm going to just disregard everybody else, and I'm going to take this time. Why? Because church should be a place of prayer, not just on Wednesday night. We have a prayer meeting on Wednesday night. Yes, we do, and it's a blessing. But if that's the only time we pray in church, we're going to fall short as a church. You have an opportunity to, to, to be amongst fellow believers. And when God rings your bell, 
you're able to come to a place and you're able to pray. You ought to pray in church. You ought to pray in church. Look in 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. I got to pick up the pace here, man. I got a place I want to go. It's like, man, there's just a lot here. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. I will therefore that men pray, where? What does it say? Everywhere. <laughs> Lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. You know where you should pray? Everywhere. <laughs> you, should, you should pray Everywhere. The Bible tells you to pray without ceasing. That means that it can't, be con- it, can't be, it can't be condensed down to just your home and church. That means you should be praying wherever you go. You should be praying in your car on your way to work. You should be praying uh, at your job while you're trying to do whatever it is God's got you doing for your occupation. You should be praying uh, as you're, as you're uh, uh, met with different things. And I, man, I pray to the grocery store, Lord, give me a parking space. Why? I don't want to walk two miles to the stinking grocery store. That's why. I remember we just uh, I had this stupid idea to cook a Christmas dinner on Christmas Eve. That was dumb. Because you want to know why? Because everybody seems to have the same thought, and they wait till Christmas Eve to go to the grocery store. And so I did what anybody would do. I sent my wife to go to the grocery store because I didn't want to go. <laughs> but uh, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't luck out. I had to go. Uh, I thought I'd get out of it by doing that. But I ended up, uh, what, what day was it? It was, like, it was like a Tuesday before Christmas or Wednesday before Christmas, and I had to go to Walmart, which I hate Walmart. I hate Walmart. I despise it. It's not because I think I'm too good for Walmart. I just, I just don't like it as a store in general. I just, ah, it just irks me. I don't know what it is. Again, I don't think, listen, I go to Meyer. Is Meyer like an upscale Walmart? Is that a thing? Is, is that something? Is that kind of, can we all agree on that? Like Meyer's like the sophisticated Walmart. Target is for like crazies. I don't know. Tar- Target's a little too posh for me or something like that. I-, I don't know. But Meyer's more my speed. But I was going, I had to go to Walmart for something. And I mean, this, you couldn't find a parking spot. It was horrible. I mean, it was packed all the way. It was the one on Wilmington Pike. So it's packed all the way to the, to the, to the, uh, you know, the, uh, the restaurants and stuff there uh, along the back side of it. And I'm thinking, man, Lord, I need a parking spot. <laughs> I need a parking spot. I'm going to have to park at Starbucks and walk three miles, you know, over to, to Walmart. And I'm going through the things, and you're praying, and all of a sudden you, hear, you see the, the white lights, you know, somebody's backing up, and you're like, hallelujah. It's like the angel came down. It's like that's the, those, those are the lights of heaven or the reverse lights of the car in the parking space that's, you know, right on the, I call it the dance floor. I said, yeah. I'm right. I got a parking spot right on the dance floor, man. And so I back into that thing. I just pray about it. Pray about all that kind of stuff. You know, Lord, uh, you know, what do you want me to do today? <laughs> it's, it's, and it's not that you do that on your knees. You do it all over the place. We should be a, we should be a people that are constantly uh, quick to pray, slow to react. Right. Quick to pray, slow to react. Say, well, this isn't the setting to pray in. Really? 
Nehemiah is standing before the king, and if he has a bad countenance, uh, he's supposed to be the king's cupbearer. He could die because he has a bad countenance. And what does he do? He doesn't go, oh, God, <laughs> raise his hand in front of the king and start crying. He just, little, they call it the little Nehemiah prayer, just in, his, and just in his heart, right? Just right where? Right in front of the king? It's a good place to pray. It's a great place to pray. Some would say, uh, what about at a restaurant? Well, this isn't the place for that. Well, sure it is. Now, you can be one of those people that you go to the restaurant with, and you think that, that it's not time to pray, but rather it's time to preach through the medium of prayer. And I disagree with that. I don't think that that, I think that just, I think that that just leaves a bad taste in everybody's mouth. I think you, I think that you would be more of a testimony as you bow your head and you just pray and ask the Lord to bless your food. I think that's so abnormal to folks that are out in the world. You don't have to make a big scene about it. Right? You don't have to make a big scene about it. Everybody look at me, I'm praying. (laughs) But that's a place to do it. That's a place to do it. Pray everywhere. You ought to pray everywhere. When to pray. I'll give you a couple of these little rapid fire. You should pray in the morning. Psalms chapter 5 verse 3. You should pray at noon. (laughs) Psalms chapter 55 verse 17. The Bible says you can pray daily. In Psalms 86 verse 3. He says day and night. In Psalms chapter 88 verse 1. And then he says, you should pray always in Luke chapter 18, verse 1 and 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Say, when, when should you pray? All the time. <laughs> it's always a good time to pray. It's always a good time to pray. It's always a good time to realize, I can't do this. I need divine intervention. <laughs> I need help from somebody who knows and can see far more than I can see. I'll skip over this and I'll come back to it in a different spot here. How to pray. That was a question the disciples asked, right? Look in Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. In verse 1, and it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When you pray, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive our sins, for we also forgive every one that is indebted to us. And lead us not into into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So they they ask the Lord Jesus Christ, they say, hey, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. I'll make this caveat, as I said before, and, and by way of introduction, I said that there's been volumes of books that have been written on the subject of prayer, and that's true. Prayer is something that I've realized it takes practice to get good at. If you've never tried to pray for any length of time, you'll realize that it takes a lot of mental toughness to pray. It takes a lot of mental determination to stay fixated on a subject in prayer. 
And if, if you're naturally somebody like myself where your mind just tends to bounce around 800 miles an hour on every different thing that you got going on and trying to get done and everything else, it can be very difficult to shut it off and to focus on the task at hand because it's so important. I'll say this, though. Although there's volumes of books and there's lots of how-tos and everybody has an opinion about it, the best prayer life that you can develop is one that you develop in trial and error between you and the Lord. The, that, listen, as with anything, as with anything, uh, the, one that you, you're, the best prayer life you can have is the one you have. Now, you can strive to make it better. You can read and try to make it better. But guess what? You can't, have, uh, you can't have somebody else's prayer life. You can't have it. So you need to develop your own. And how do you do that? By trying. You know, you try to set a timer. I've done that before. Set a timer. You know, 10 minutes go by, and you're like, man, I thought I was praying for three hours. But it's like 10 minutes. You're like, I can't do this. You're thinking, George Mueller pray, pray for three hours? And you're like, how in the world does a man pray for three hours? There's nothing. My life must not be that interesting because I don't have that much stuff going on to take up three hours worth of prayer. Right? But you try, and you try to get more focused. You get more detailed. You start to, you start to put yourself in the situation and try to get yourself out of the situation and try to look at it from different angles and... Sometimes the best prayer is you're not saying anything at all, right? But as far as if there was a bone outline, if there was a skeleton, hey, what if, if, I'm, if I'm on my knees and I'm trying to, and I, and I, and I say I want to work on my prayer life, what should my prayer life contain? What should my prayer contain? What, what are some things that I should make sure that I should make sure are in there, right? Because... Honestly, as with, as with anything, and I'm doing some studying on this right now, is that uh, everything about the Christian life, and mark it, everything about the Christian life is balance. The, listen, did you get that? That's really, really quiet. I get it. But... Everything about the Christian life is, is dictated by balance. And if you're not balanced, you, you can find yourself in a really difficult situation because, you know, you, you, you can look at other people. I, I don't know if you're balanced. I have no idea. And if my Christian life, if, if, if it matters in my conduct, that my conduct's balanced, guess what? Prayer has to be balanced. There's, it's, and so what, what if you spend the whole time just asking for stuff for yourself? Your prayer's unbalanced, right? But then I know people that say, well, I don't know why I would ever pray for anything. If God already knows what I need, why in the world would I pray for anything? Right? You're unbalanced. You're unbalanced. So there's some things here. There's some, there's some markers to what? To try to help you stay in balance. First thing you should have is Confession. First thing you should have is confession. First John chapter 1, verse 10. Uh, uh, we, you can turn there if you want, but in verse 10 he tells you that if a man doesn't think he has sin, he just says he's got no part with the Father. So you've got sin. You and I have sin. We have it in our nature. You have it. It's in your mind. It's in your heart. It's, in, it's all over the place, man. I could, you know, like I said, you can sit here and preach on sin all day long. You got it. You know you got it. 
But in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, if, uh, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. In, in verse 9, He says, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In John chapter 13, verses 4 through 10, we have the illustration of Jesus Christ taking out the towel and washing the feet of the disciples, and, and Peter, of course, saying, Hey, I don't, you don't, you're not going to wash my feet. And He says, Hey, those that are cleansed, he says that they don't need to be washed all over, but just their feet, right? Just their feet. So that tells you as you're walking in and out of the world, you can get dirty and your feet get dirty because of where you're walking. And it's of no, and it's really no, it's not like, oh, well, you shouldn't be walking there. It's like, no, you're just walking around in the world and you get dirty. It's just because it's a filthy place. It's not like you point your finger at somebody and say, oh, you're walking where you shouldn't walk because your feet are dirty. No, it's like literally everywhere, <laughs> right? Literally everywhere. I get dirty <laughs> and I need to get my feet washed. And I, I tend to think that this should probably happen right as you start in prayer because I want to, I want to approach the throne as clean as possible. And as we'll go here in just a second, if I get there, uh, there's hindrances to prayer. And we know that unconfessed sin is a hindrance to prayer. So I want to make sure before I start really getting into that and, and getting into my petition and my time of prayer, I want to make sure I'm as clean as possible. And so I like to spend the first part of prayer just confessing, getting stuff under the blood. And I'm not saying, Lord, forgive me of my sins because there's so many of them. Lord, just wash them all. <laughs> How about, how about getting specific with the Lord? Lord, I said that, and I shouldn't have said that. Lord, I looked at that, and I should not have looked at that. Lord, I knew that was wrong before I did it, and I did it anyway. And I knew that I was going to be here in prayer just a few minutes later, and I did it anyway, and I'm sorry. Name it. You want to name it and claim it? Do that in the confession part of your prayer life. <laughs> There's name it and claim it right there. What is that? Your sins. Name them and claim them. Lord, it was this, and I did it, and I confess it to you. Wash it in the blood, please. Right? Lift that thing up. Get it high up there in front of him. Say, it's filthy. It's dirty. Yeah. Get it in there, man. Get it in there. You say, well, how in the world could I talk to the Lord? I couldn't even utter those things out of my mouth when I'm in prayer to God. You better. That's how you get clean. That's how you wash yourself. Amen? Confession. Confession. How about this? Thankfulness. Thankfulness. 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You've heard it. You know it. Man, time flies when you're having fun. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 18. And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We know that even when we make supplication, the Bible says that we should make it with thankfulness. Romans chapter 1 Verses uh, 21 through 32, the problem with them was, what was their problem? They weren't thankful. Caused all kinds of problems. 
All kind of debauchery. What? The root of unthankfulness. We see, the, uh, we, see, we see this illustrated in Luke chapter 17, verses 13 through 19 with the ten lepers, and only one comes back to give thanks for getting cleansed. And Jesus asked the question, where are the nine? Wasn't there ten lepers that were clean? Where are the nine? So gratitude is a big part of your prayer life. That's, that's because what, in order for you to be thankful, that means that you have, to, you have to be thinking and observing and trying to look for the things God is doing in your life. You have to be cognizant of the things that God are doing, whether they be big or small. It's like, man, Lord, you're doing a lot of stuff, and I need to make sure I acknowledge that I see, and that I'm not just flippantly taking for granted the things that are just happening to me, that are blessings in my life on a daily basis. And so I want to take a moment to think, think of these little things and big things and thank you for them. I've told you before, I was raised around a bunch of... Uh, uh, my mom worked with United Cerebral Palsy, and so all kinds of handicapped people of all different kinds of mental handicaps uh, and physical handicaps. Uh, we were just, I was around them all the time. And to this day, when I pray, I Lord say, Lord, thank you that I can use my hands. Thank you, Lord, that I can walk without braces. Thank, thank, thank you, God, that I can, although it may not be a whole lot up there, Lord, I can still think. God, thank you that I'm not in a wheelchair, God. Thank you, Lord, that, that I'm not this brilliant mind stuck in a body that's just clamped up because of cerebral palsy. I've seen men with doctorate degrees in a wheelchair, and they can't move their arms and legs. They can't walk. I say, thank you for that, Lord. God, thank you that I was able to wake up this morning and, and take a breath. Thank you, God, that I woke up in a bed this morning with a pillow and a blanket. Thank you, God, that I, my, my kids are in their rooms and they're sleeping and they're sound and they're safe and they're healthy. God, thank you. I've had my share of loss in my life, but there's plenty to be thankful for. There's plenty to be thankful for. And we need to be a thankful people. And it's not just openly so I can tell folks, hey, I'm thankful for this because look at what God's doing for me. No, in the silent chambers of your prayer closet. God, I just want you to know I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the horrible situations or the painful situations that have happened in my life that turned out for my benefit. That's a rough one. You know, if my dad would have never died, I would have never got saved. I've had, man, I've, I've been at my dad's grave in front of the tombstone and said, thank you, Lord. Thank you for taking my dad. I appreciate it. Because that, it worked to my benefit. And without that, man, I would have, who knows where I'd have been. You know, you take those things and you say, thank you, Lord. Even the things you don't know how they're going to work out, you Lord, I, I know that you're behind this thing. I just want to thank you for that. I know that there's no accidents that happen in my life. God, I know that every, every tear is kept in a bottle and every, every infirmity, Lord, has to be first uh, assigned and allowed from the throne of God. I know that you're in control of this thing. And I just want to, I, Lord, it seems chaotic, but I'm just thankful that I know you're in control. Whew. Thankfulness goes a long way. 
<laughs> goes a long way when you're praying. How about praise? Praise. Psalm chapter 107. Read the whole chapter. Four times. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and His wonderful works toward the children of men. Oh, the Lord would praise the Lord for His goodness. He gets on His own people and He says, If you don't praise me, these rocks will cry out. Somebody's going to praise Him. How about taking some time and saying, Lord, there ain't no God like you. <laughs> Listen, there's religions out there, but there is not a Savior like the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, no one can do what you can do, Father. You're all-powerful. God, you know everything. Your thoughts are so far above my thoughts, and your ways are so far above my ways, God. Lord, I'm nothing compared to you. Who can stand before your judgment? Who can stand in your presence? God, you're holy, you're wonderful, you're magnificent, you're great, you're gracious, you're merciful. Whew. Send them up, man. Send them up. <laughs> Let him. He wants to hear what you think of him. <laughs> Tell him what you think of him. You know, it's really hard to be bitter about your situation when you're praising him. It's hard, man. Because he is wonderful and he is lovely. And he doeth all things well. <laughs> and there's no fault or blemish in him. He always does right. The Bible says that he did always those things that please the Father. He has my best interests in mind. Lord, you're a great Father. You're a great provider. Thank you. <laughs> praise him for a while. Your prayer should have some praise in it. Yeah, your prayer should have supplication. What is supplication? A humble request, a petition, an appeal. You should have internal supplications. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Things you request, your wants, your needs, your desires. Tell them, ask them. You have not because you ask not. I've prayed for a million bucks. Hallelujah. <laughs> maybe one day I'll get it. I don't have it now. <laughs> but maybe one day I'll get it. I don't know. I heard guys say this. Like, well, pray for a million bucks. You never know. Maybe God will give them the opportunity to make it. I don't know. But I might as well pray for it. But you ought to think about what you're asking for. How about this? Are you asking for something that's wrong? Think about that. Some, just something to think about. Or are you, are you praying for God to work it out instead of for God to make it right? Pastor said something I'll never forget. This was several years ago. He says there's two groups of people. There's those that are trying to get God in what they're doing, and then there's those that are trying to get into what God's doing. Man, I mean, you got to put that on a T-shirt, man. I mean, that's just fantastic. <laughs> Right? Is that your prayer life? Are you constantly trying to get God in what you're doing? Well, your supplication may be a little bit off balance. Right? Then you should have intercessory. It should be internal, but it also should be intercessory. What is that? Praying, praying for others. Paul was great at intercessory prayer. In Colossians chapter 1, uh, verse 9, 
Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, uh, Paul says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. What a prayer for somebody. You say, I don't know how to pray for somebody. He just showed you how. How about praying, how about praying that they might be filled with knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding? I don't know how to pray for somebody. Pray for that for them. That they may know His will and have spiritual wisdom and understanding. Pray that way. Pray that way. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 16 through 18, Paul again showing you intercessory prayer. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 23 says, uh, it says, God forbid that I should sin uh, against God and ceasing to pray for you. Right? Intercessory prayer. And then Jesus Christ in John chapter 17, verse 9, say, what is he doing? He says, I don't pray for the world. I don't pray for the world. I pray for those that you've given me. God's praying for the Lord Jesus Christ. What? Praying for you. Intercessory prayer. For you on your behalf. The Lord Jesus Christ. Let that one sink in. The Lord Jesus Christ is up in heaven right now. What's he doing? He's praying for me. God help him. He's doing the best he can. (laughs) Right? Lord help him to stick it out. There's some guidelines uh, for supplication. Ask humbly, ask righteously, and ask persistently. I got verses for all that, but for sake of time, we won't do it. Ask believing. Ask in the Holy Spirit. And then finally, what should your prayer include? How about listening to God? Now, I know that the, the thing is, is you know, uh, you reading your Bible is, is uh, God talking to you, and you praying is you talking to God. But I'll be honest with you. There's a lot of time in prayer when I just keep my mouth shut and I keep my ears open and my heart open, I start hearing God talk in prayer. It's not limited to just your Bible reading. God speaks to your heart in prayer. And sometimes you've got to be quiet long enough to hear Him talk. You know? Because there's sometimes, listen, there's not words to pray what you're wanting to pray for. There's no words. And so the best you can do is just be quiet. Say, Lord, I can't handle this. This is too big for me. I don't know the right way to go. And Lord, for me to pray for something, I wouldn't know what to pray for. I have no idea. So sometimes the best thing to do is just simply be quiet. So hopefully, uh, again, I, I wish I got through. I still had some more stuff, but maybe I'll, I'll do it in another time when I get a chance to teach. But um, we ought to be a church that's prayerful. If there's something, if you want to make a resolution, how about this? Work on your prayer life. Maybe take some of these parameters. These aren't Joe's parameters. These are biblical parameters of things that your prayers should include. And maybe that'll help you uh, to build on those foundational things and develop a better prayer life between you and, 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 uh, and the Lord Jesus Christ. And it'll change your life. It'll change your life. All right, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. Pray you bless the upcoming service now. We ask you to be with those that are coming in. We pray that we'd hear from you again. In Jesus' name, amen.